ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. listening to the bad Jew podcast welcome to the show David I'm so glad that you came here to join us of course you know for those who know David Sachs he has big contributions to pop culture that he has under his belt not to mention the Simpsons I have a quick question though David about the Simpsons sure. and actually about Absolutely. yourself are you a time traveler yes because <laughs> <laughs> that's what everyone Uh, says about the Simpsons it has predicted so many things in history it's it's scary so you're a time traveler uh yes that's amazing can we see the time machine I want to can I go and be in the time machine like how do you do that how do you yes. predict the future yes. so well meet, yes I, I'm happy to show anyone who wants to see it please just meet me at my house last Thursday okay great and uh and David Sachs's address is going to be yeah. in in the in the show notes perfect <laughs> well if you know how to meet me last Thursday you know my address <laughs> <laughs> exactly well David welcome to bad Jew the bad Jew challenge is to introduce yourself in four minutes and that is your life story are you ready yeah can I do it in can I do it in 30 seconds in 30 seconds no one's ever beat you Uh, the four minute mark before so can I do uh, it in 15 seconds <laughs> whoa you want to do it that quickly I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I'm putting up I'm pulling up my timer right now you want to do a 15 second intro that's yeah. it okay yeah. we're gonna see if he can do this okay guys I got my I got my yeah my timer right here and 15 seconds go yeah and then all that happened and here I am <laughs> wow incredible yeah <laughs> Now, David has been on so many different shows at this point. His, his whole entire life story, you can find it all in there. Do you actually want to try the, the four-minute the, 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 the challenge? I don't know. I was really digging the five-second version. I mean, the five-second version is great. I mean, it's only applicable to you. No one else in the history can ever say that. So, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, what do you want to hear about me for? I mean, well, let's see. I grew up in New York City on okay. 79th Street and Broadway, and um, I'm a writer, producer, family man married with four kids and live in California and love just love being alive love this world love God love the Torah love just the opportunity to wake up and see what the day holds so that's kind of me I've won some awards I have an Emmy award and a Golden Globe award I went to Harvard you know there's all that fancy stuff but but mostly I just uh Just kind of look forward to seeing reality expand and unfold <laughs> not to mention the time traveling every now and then oh no very much including the time traveling <laughs> <laughs> well David it really is a pleasure to have you on the show I really love you know your kind of your humble nature and the way that you uh the, the way that you've introduced yourself the Jewish journal describes you as a street rabbi which is I I've never heard that expression before you Yeah, it's from Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach. He said, the world needs street rabbis. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such a great concept. And yeah. it's great to have you here. So as the bona fide street rabbi <laughs> of bad Jew, I have to ask you, why be Jewish? 
Well, if you're if you're not Jewish, you don't have to be Jewish. So why be Jewish? To me, that's not so much a an invitation to become Jewish, although certainly anyone who wants to be Jewish can be Jewish. In but fact, I want to I want to add to that as well that yeah. one of the things that separates Judaism, at least from my understanding, from the from the student perspective here, what separates Judaism from other religions is that you'll never see a rabbi knock on your door and go, hey, would you like to come to our synagogue? We'd like to convert you. But, you know, we're not we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. We do not proselytize. We do not go out of our way to convert people. That, and by the way, I think that there's something cool about that, there's that it's sort of like, you know, if, if we, you know, we believe that that there's one God, which is which is in itself a very powerful idea. That, that, that means that we're not saying as Jews, our God is better or more powerful or can beat up your God. We're not saying that. We're saying there is only one God. There, there is only one power in the entire right. world. Right. Which is that, that in itself is worth thinking about. That's pretty, that's pretty mind expanding. Right. Which means that all the things that we're, we attribute power to, Rebbe Nachman of Breslov makes a, a very, very interesting point. If you, if you look at the first two of the Ten Commandments, they seem redundant. And obviously they aren't. So, so the question is, what is the difference between the first commandment and the second commandment? So I'll tell you what the two first ones are. Well, and you'll see that they're sort of like, kind of like deceptively similar. But you'll, but, you'll, have, to, you'll have to refresh the audience here. What are the first two? No, no, no. no. I'm going I'm to get to that. So the yeah. first one is, is God says, Anochi Hashim, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am God, your God, and don't have any other gods, is the second commandment. So, so the, first, the first commandment is basically God just announces his existence. And I heard Rabbi Edin Steinsholt say something fascinating, which is that he said, for thousands of years, people spoke to God. At Mount Sinai, God spoke back, which is like very, that's an awesome, that's an awesome line. And one of the things just, just, just to tell you kind of the difference between, say, Judaism and, and other religions, and, and especially if you're Jewish, just to give you a little bit more strength about what, what it means to be Jewish, is that we're, we, we say at Mount Sinai that there were approximately two and a half million people there and all heard the word of God. Now, no other religion has the, the chutzpah, the temerity, the, the, the audaciousness to claim mass revelation at that level. Like almost every other religion follows the template that there's the prophet who got the word and tells everyone else, trust me. And you kind of move forward from there or you run to the nearest exit, <laughs> right? That's, a, yeah. that's, sort of like, that's the model. But yeah. no religion, no religion under the sun, except Judaism says, Two and a half million people simultaneously heard the same thing. I mean, you, the reason why no religion says something like that is because it's so easy to disprove. Right. right? So only, only a religion that's going to actually be able to back that up with the people who experienced it themselves would ever claim such a thing. So that's, that's the first commandment. The second commandment, is don't have any other gods. So that seems kind of strange. Do, do you hear the, 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 do you hear why they sound sort of similar or how or why they would be different? Let me, Chaz, I'm gonna interview yeah. you for a moment. How okay. are they different? How are they different? 
by the way, this is now David's show. It's not my show at all. Bad Jew is David's conceptualization. It's now, this is the first time this has happened on the podcast. So um, how is I am your one and only God different than uh, don't follow other gods? Yeah. One is center. Well, actually, let me what just is, refine that. Let me just refine that. Okay. How is just, I am God. I exist different from don't have other gods. Well, I am God is inward facing. <laughs> don't have other gods is outward facing. Okay. Yeah. So it's acknowledging that there's other religions out there. There are other beliefs out there that are allowed to exist, that are acknowledged, but are not what we believe in. Okay, great. So, so I think you're totally on the money. Great answer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it in my words. Okay. Um, and really, I'm just quoting Rebbe Nachman right now. Okay. He says that it's possible. And when I say it's possible, he, he says, "Don't do this." So this is not something we should do. Mm-hmm. But it's possible for someone to believe in God, meaning Hashem, meaning the God, the Maker, the Master of Heaven and Earth. Mm-hmm. It's possible to believe in God and still believe in other powers in addition to God. And God is saying, don't do that. <laughs> right. You know, and it's it's funny because I'm thinking about something actually just just personal to me. I've spoken to friends who, you know, they'll they'll tell me like, yeah, I'm Jewish, but we we've been really looking into uh the the Buddhist beliefs too. Or I, I even had one friend really out of left field, right? Who said to me, uh yeah, I know I'm Jewish culturally and, and by blood but I'm actually a Satanist. And I'm like, you mean you believe in the devil? And he's like, no, it's actually not what it means. It means that we believe we are gods. And I'm like, um, false. So I, you know, I didn't like, okay. So, you know, these are, these are people that, you know, have certainly their own beliefs. I know that Buddhism is a lot more relatable than Satanism in this instance here that I just gave an extreme example. Yeah, here, but this yeah, is just true. something that, you know, we, it, it's funny in Judaism, we, we have a, an expression, lahabdil. whenever you mention something, say, holy and profane, or two things that you don't want to connect. So you'd say, lahabdil, like to make that separation. Um, so, so yeah, so, so that's, that is a big step, I would say, in, in, in was in my journey, because I didn't grow up, um, quote, unquote, religious, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't grow up keeping kosher, keeping Shabbos or, you know, anything like that, studying Torah, really. Yeah. Um, and I kind of took that on in my 20s and stuff like that. And, and, and a moment of real clarity for me was, well, am I putting my faith in things in addition to God? Because I always, for whatever reason, I always believed in God. And so a lot of my journey was saying, well, wait a second, that thing doesn't have power. And well, that thing doesn't have power. Right. I wanted to ask you, you know, maybe I missed this in your 15 second intro, but what was there a motivating event? Was there something that prompted you to ask the question? I forgot how you phrase it, so I'm, I'm going to cut this part out. But uh, to ask your question, you know, how, how you want Judaism to be a part of your life, basically. So, so yeah, I have a whole kind of journey to, to kind of taking Judaism more and more seriously in my mm-hmm. life. Uh, and, and I would say one thing, I had a lot of success in my life early on, especially. 
I, I set all these high goals for myself and just kind of was blessed to see them in in come to fruition. I really wanted to go to Harvard. I got into Harvard. I wanted to write for the Harvard Lampoon, which was the humor magazine there. Got onto that. Really wanted to write for television. Got my first job on the writing staff of an HBO show when I was 21. You know, like things were just kind of going, going, going. And from the standpoint of having seen these things up close and personal, and by the way, not it's not like, oh, I didn't enjoy that and I didn't enjoy that. You know what I mean? I thoroughly enjoyed every step of the way. That's good. <laughs> maybe, maybe too much. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. But having seen them and experiencing them up close and personal, I realized that, wait, there's got to be more to life than that. You know what right. I mean? And you- yeah. I was going to ask you, do you think that if you weren't as successful, that you would have not asked that question of maybe there's more to life than this? As in, I know a lot of people, specifically, I know a lot of people who are just simply not successful when it comes to their business, when it comes to their mental health, when it comes to their physical health. There's so many different areas of lack of success, their romantic life, right? There's no pleasure. There's no pleasure in the in the in the concept of Torah from the perspective of Torah for these people. So being said, if let's say you were not successful in landing that HBO TV show, let's say you never got into Harvard in the first place, right. do you think you would have gone on the same religious journey? I well, I'll never know. That's the most honest answer to your question. But sure. but I do. I do think it's a great question, and it's something that I've sort of asked myself in different ways over my life. Hmm. And the reason why I kind of bring it up is because I think that there are a lot of people who who say to themselves, you know what, if only I had married that person, or if only I had gotten that job, or only if I had gone to that school, then I'd be happy. And so the reason why I bring that up about myself is not like, oh, I'm so great. Look at me and everything like that. That, That's not my intention. My intention is to say, hey, look, you're talking to someone who did that and went there and got that Mm -hmm. and saw it and said, and that didn't have a bad, didn't have, and someone who didn't not enjoy it. I don't don't know how many negatives of this, like a quadruple negative. I mean, thoroughly enjoyed it and still said there's got to be more than this <laughs> yeah i love that do, do I, I wonder so no i i, I, I feel like this is powerful testimony i feel like yeah. this is powerful testimony and and i want to take it a step further okay which is that there are heights of my career and heights of fashionable society and things like that that i never got to you know Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, mm-hmm. I never hung out with Steven Spielberg. He never, no one ever offered me caviar on their super yacht. You know what I mean? Like I never, never experienced those things. At the same time though, I did go to sort of like exclusive and fancy enough places that I was able to sort of like extrapolate mm-hmm. and say, you know what? I kind of get what this is. And so this is sort of like the more advanced version of this. And every single version of it just led to a dead end. I see what you're saying. So you you kept on 
seeing the materialistic side to success and you realize that there was more to it than that. That there's more to this world than just the materialistic side of success. Correct. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And I very much resonate with that as an entrepreneur who's, you know, an entrepreneur's job is to make money, right? right? But I think on a deeper level for myself, I'm speaking on a, on a selfish level about just me personally here. That's in many ways part of, you know, why my Judaism the way it is. By the way, I would not call myself a successful entrepreneur yet. I've done something successfully, but I have failed so much in so many different aspects of my business journey. Last year is pretty much marked by entrepreneurial failures. So being said, just because I was successful isn't, isn't the reason why I've become more Jewish recently. I wanted to shift gears a little bit. Let's pretend, right? I'm the average YJP, right? Young Jewish professional, right? I'm the average YJP. He looks like me, but he's not wearing a kippah. He doesn't really practice anything. He's very secular, right? Maybe he's somewhat Jewishly involved, Jewishly involved enough to want to watch a podcast like this. And he or they decide that they want to implement Judaism into their life a little bit more. Right. How would you go about doing that? Well, I think, you know, just what resonates with you. That, that, would, be my, that would be my big question. Kind of like play to your own strengths. There, there's a great teaching from one of the Hasidic masters. His name is the Ishbitzer Rebbe, one of the deep, deep, uh, amazing Rebbe's. And he talks about fixing your soul. He says, how do you fix your soul? Right? You couldn't have a dote, right? That's what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So he says, he says that the way to fix your soul is fix what you're doing right. So <laughs> wait, that's how you begin. So it's a little bit perplexing because you say to yourself, well, wait a second, if I'm, if I'm already doing it right, why do I need to fix it? And how do I fix what I'm already doing right? So my Rebbe explained it like this. He says, this is what the Ishvitzer means. That thing that you're already doing, whatever it is in life, that thing that you're already doing, are you doing it with all of your heart? That's where you begin. You begin by taking whatever thing that you're connecting to within Judaism and that you're already doing, and now start doing it with all of your heart. And you know what? That's going to open up your heart. That's going to open up your soul. It's going to open up your mind. And it's going to lead you to another success. Success will lead to success. And Chaz, I want to just, just take issue with one of the words that you used, especially regarding yourself, this idea of failure. You didn't fail at all. If you, if you tried something and it didn't work, it just didn't work. Failure has connotations to it that I don't think that apply. I think that success is trying your best at something. If you try your best at something, remember, results are in the hands of God. God just looks to us to put in the effort. That's it. We couldn't, there, there's an interesting word in, in Hebrew for livelihood, right? So we're talking about cash money. So livelihood is called in Hebrew, parnosa. Now, parnosa can be broken down into two smaller Hebrew words. Par, like paro, pharaoh. Par means difficult. And nace. Nace is a miracle. So that means that parnosa, your livelihood, would be sort of like 
translated as a difficult miracle. <laughs> so now the question is, who is it difficult for? It's not difficult for God because nothing's hard for God. Nothing's hard. And it's not difficult for us. It's impossible for us. Right. In other words, we couldn't do it if we tried without God's blessing. So who is it difficult for? And the answer is, it's difficult to believe that God is going to do it. That's what, that's, that's the solution in the end. That's in other words, yeah. yeah, all results are in God's hands. He just looks for us to make the effort. And while we're making the effort to overcome the difficulty, believing that God is going to come through for us. Fascinating. Yeah. No, I think that's really fascinating. I think that go to that to that note of failure, there's something about the Jewish narrative that that embraces the the lesson that you just described of the difficult miracle. Right of 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 getting to that yeah. point. One more time. What is that phrase? How, what is it called? So the Hebrew word is parnosa. Parnosa, and it can be broken down to par, like like our Egyptian enslaver paro. Like mm -hmm. that's how you say Pharaoh in Hebrew paro. Oh, so okay. Par mm -hmm. is difficult. Difficult. And nosa has the word nace, and nace is a miracle. Got so it. it's a difficult miracle. So the, the concept of the difficult miracle, I think is that it's not difficult at all. It's just difficult for us to believe that God is going to do it. It's difficult for us to believe that God is going to do it. I mean, if you <laughs> yeah. look at all these instances in Jewish history, which, you know, the Torah is not just a history book. It's a book of instructions. That's what the word right. Torah literally means from in English translation. We're talking about our entire history being summed down to that word parnosa right? Yeah. It is a difficult yes. miracle for us to embrace. It's difficult for us to imagine God achieving things for us, for us, the chosen people. If you yes. look at the amount of times we've been oppressed, even think about the Jews who were surviving the camps in the Holocaust, by the way, it was yeah. parnosa for them to imagine them one day having their own independent nation. And not three years later, did we get our own nation, which is incredible. We finally yeah, got our own nation. After 2,000 years, by the way, after 2,000 years of not giving up, Right. After not, you know, yeah. one, one, one thing that someone told me that I just, it's, it's so remarkable, I think. There's, there's probably the most famous commentary on the Torah. And the Torah is 3,300 years old, approximately, a little bit mm -hmm. more than that. Mm -hmm. The most famous commentary on the entire Torah is by a great scholar from about a thousand years ago named Rashi. Mm -hmm. The very, very first comment that Rashi makes on the beginning of the Torah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this is what Rashi says. Mm -hmm. Why is the Torah beginning with a story, like with a story of creation? Why not begin with the first mitzvah? We know that there's 613 mitzvahs and they're all contained in the Torah. So let's just, let's just cut to the chase, God. You know, if, it's, if, if the Torah is a rule book, and it's way more than that, by the way, Mm -hmm. It's the infinite compressed into the finite. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a great it's, way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Torah is beyond, 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 beyond. It exists in, in book form. It does exist in book form. Right. But it is actually the fabric of the universe. So, so, so why not just begin with a mitzvah? Like, and, and Rashi says, no, no, no. And he gives him a, a way out, a way out answer to his own question, which is, that 
God is going to give the land of Israel to the Jewish people. And the nations of the world are going to say to the Jewish people, you stole this land from us. And therefore, God is going to begin the entire Torah by saying, I created the world, says God, and I can do with it whatever I want. Right. <laughs> and if I want to give this land to this people, that's my right, because the world belongs to me. Right. And so think about it for a moment. Rashi wrote that commentary a thousand years ago. Right. We've been in exile as a nation for 2,000 years. Right. For the last thousand years, people have been reading that first Rashi and going, we're going to get the land of Israel back, and then there are going to be nations who are going to tell us, you stole the land from us? Are you joking? Parsona. <laughs> yeah. Arnosa. <laughs> did I say it wrong? Wait, did I say it wrong? Yeah, I'm just coaching oh, you. Arnosa, excuse me. My yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, difficult to believe. And then what happens? What happens? The exact thing that he wrote comes true. But we had to wait a long time for it to, to see it come true. So I'll give you another example. Fantastic, in my mind, example, also from Rebbe Nachman of Breslov. Mm -hmm. He tells a story about these two impoverished people, you know, beggars and such a nice word, you know, but um, two people who are, you know, collecting money, let's say, very down and out people. One is Jewish, one is not Jewish. And this is back in the day, you know, hundreds of years ago, whatever. So one says to the other, the Jew says to the non-Jew, you're in luck because tonight you're going to get a great meal. Tonight is the holiday of Passover and no one gets left by themselves at the synagogue. You will get an invitation to a meal because everyone's going to think you're Jewish mm -hmm. and don't worry. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, it happens. Someone invites him to their home and he's sitting there and then they get together the next day. And the Jew says to the non-Jew, was I right? Was I right? Did you get an amazing meal? And the non-Jew says back to him, I got to the place and all they did was talk. They talked and they talked and they talked and they weren't serving any food. And then at a certain point, they take out a little piece of parsley. bitter herbs which tasted horrible right and finally i lost patience i stood up i yelled you people are crazy and i left and the jew says back to him ah oh, if only you had waited a little while longer right right because then the meal gets it becomes a jewish thanksgiving after that it's huge. yeah i love that i i love that story and that's that just show you the kind of grit that us jews have had even to sit through an entire, I guess, a, a, a Torah study, if you will. That's kind of what the beginning phase of Passover dinner is, is you're reading uh, the story of Passover. It's very much a Torah study, right? And then you get to eat. If only you'd waited a little longer. I love that concept. Thank you for sharing that. I think another thing as well, in terms of, you know, why be Jewish? I was doing some research. You know, I, I this is how I do research for the podcast, as I, as I simply type in the question on Google. And this is actually something from, this is not a Jewish school. This is from St. John Fisher University. Okay. Um, and so they, they came up with this quote. Here's a little cutout from this essay. 
about Judaism, but Judaism is marked by the beginning of a revolutionary idea that laid the groundwork for social reform. Humans have the ability and therefore the responsibility to stop injustices in the world. So to Olam, right? The Jews were the first to decide that it was their responsibility as the chosen people to fight against inequality in the world. This, mental, this mentality revolutionized social reform and brought it into existence as a way for human beings to positively shape their world. The ideas laid by the Jews continue to impact people for centuries and are especially relevant in the modern world. This is a great tie-in, by the way, to go check out Rabbi Benzion Klatsko's episode on Is Torah Relevant in 2023? One of the first episodes of Bad Jew. But I think it just goes in as well to talk about kind of our reason for being on this planet. Like a lot of people on earth don't aren't aren't born with that instinct, that innate need to say, this is my duty. But we as Jews are not given that luxury. We have a duty as, as, as we're brought in here. As, as eventually you realize that that's a privilege. And I was wondering, David, if you, if you had any comments on that quote. I, I really do. Yeah, there's something that I, I think that unless you know what I'm about to tell you, and I'm being totally serious right now, mm-hmm. you will not be able to understand this world and you will not be able to understand your life. Okay? Okay. And it ties in very much with why be Jewish. Okay. And that is everybody's got the same question, whether you can articulate it or not. Everyone's got the same question. And here it is. If there's a God, why is the world so messed up? It's everybody's question. Yep. I hear that all the time. The Torah has the most remarkable, simple, straightforward answer to this question. Do you know why the world is so messed up? Because it isn't finished yet. That is the simple truth. So when, when when you read in the Torah that earth was made, that, that our place was made in seven days, is that a real statement? Is that, a, is that an authentic statement to make? It's an, it's an authentic statement to make. But the world that God set about to create was a world where there's no war, no hunger, no hatred. Right? No obstacles in terms of seeing his oneness, where everyone, all God's children, love each other. And the idea was that God created the world a little bit unfinished. And then he created us to be partners with him in terms of achieving this vision, this completed vision of perfection, which God had in mind from the very, very outset. And that's what we're all doing. That's what the mitzvahs are. That's what, that is what we're trying to do. The mitzvahs are these tools to bring the world to its completion, to its perfection. And my Rebbe, Reb Shlomo Karlbach, said something absolutely amazing. He says, you see, most people think that the Garden of Eden was this cosmic spa, right? And that we blew it. And that all of history is just trying to get back to zero. This is what most people think, and it's incorrect. And he says it like this. Listen to this. If the Garden of Eden was so perfect, what was the snake doing there? <laughs> wow. That awesome? I mean, you don't, it's a knockout punch. It's yeah. a knockout punch. 
Right. Because you don't need more proof than that to show that the world wasn't finished yet. There's all the proof you need. There's yeah. the smoking gun. That is the smoking gun wow. to show you. And what was called upon us was to say no to that. And then we, we would have harnessed that energy of incompleteness. And then we would have brought the world to its next level, which it's destined to arrive at, by the way. Right. It's just that we've got to get it together. We say we're waiting for God. And God says, I'm waiting for you. When, when are you going to start loving each other? You know? Right. Well said. Well said. I, I absolutely love that. And I think that there's uh, to add anything further to that point that you just made wouldn't do it justice. So I'm going to leave the audience thinking about that concept. And with that, I want to say, David, should someone watching or listening to this show right now want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to reach out? So I do a weekly podcast. Uh, if you like some of the things that I shared with you, I do it every single week. It's called Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. It's on all the platforms. Definitely check it out. And then if you're in Los Angeles, and you'd like to hear a live talk or kind of do Shabbos with us. I'm part of a place called the Happy Meaning of Los Angeles. And, you know, we, a lot of places, you know, you, you kind of pray and, and then everyone's like, let's just get the prayers over with so we can get to the good part. At the Happy Meaning, the prayers are the good part. <laughs> so it's sort of like, so and we've got, I, I often speak there and it's, it's not just about observing Shabbos, it's about celebrating Shabbos and serving God with joy and everything like that. So that's uh, on Los Angeles' famous Pico Boulevard and definitely recommend it. You can check out the website, Happy Minion, M-I-Y-A-N, happyminion.org. And uh, you can get the times and whatnot. So hope to see you there. Come, come by and say hello. Fantastic. All of that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. Yeah. David, thank you for being on this podcast. I couldn't I, I couldn't appreciate it more. I, it's it's such a privilege to have you here. And I think that you are indeed the street rabbi. You here <laughs> are have have taught me a lot and I really am grateful for your for your time here on the show. Thank you. Absolutely. Shalom.